A man become preeminent, he's expected to have enthusiasms. 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 What am I? What draws my admiration? What is that which gives me joy? Baseball. <laughs> Welcome back, folks, to another episode of the Pole Hitter Podcast. This is the Pole Hitter himself, Rob DiPietro. Thank you for joining me once again. Thank you for listening. Today on the show, I bring on Mr. Brian Rudd. Brian is a veteran NFBC player, and Brian also does some content for Baseball HQ and Roto Baller. But we just go through some NFBC strategies and the draft champions and the main events, leagues, and things you should be paying attention to in those type of formats. And, and we go through some player ADP quick shots um, at some price points for different positions and um, different depths of ADP. So with that being said, hope you enjoyed this episode. All right, folks, welcome back to another episode of the Pull Hitter Podcast. My special guest today is Mr. Brian Rudd. How are you doing today, pal? I'm good. Thanks for having me on, Rob. Absolutely, absolutely. Great talking to you prior to the pod, getting to know each other a little bit. And um, so, yeah, maybe you can uh, tell the listeners a little bit about how you got, you know, into fantasy baseball, um, you know, when you started watching or playing baseball and how you eventually got into producing some content out there in the fantasy baseball world? Uh, well, I grew up going, I lived about an hour from Cincinnati. So we went up to six or seven games a year. So I always been a big baseball fan. Nice. And then uh, I guess I started playing fantasy, started playing football with some guys like in about 97. And then the following year we started up playing some baseball. So been playing that ever since. And uh got into nfbc like right away when the main event started like in 04 i think and then started writing i was a subscriber to baseball hq for several years and started writing for him and i think it was like 2008 or 2009 so been there how did that come about did you you, um do you have a writing history or do you just like you know how did you end up falling into such a you know solid job like that uh not really i mean i always enjoyed writing but didn't have like a that as a career path or anything but just Mm -hmm. started yeah there was uh just some openings there and i figured i'd give it a shot and it worked out so i've been writing it's kind of bounced back and forth between one article a week and two articles a week there so it's been fun awesome and 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 tell me um Tell me about your writing process. Is that is that something that comes real real intuitive for you, or it's like sometimes it's a little bit of a forced type of thing? Because I struggle with that a little bit myself. Like you know, when when it comes naturally, or when I'm just sitting there trying to trying to attack 
um, like either an article on a player or something. And I just have to walk away because I'm just, my brain's not going forward with it. Yeah. That can definitely happen on the in-depth dives, like on the facts flukes articles. I sometimes have to skip to the next guy and then circle back around, but yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, cause it's, it's, I know like it, it's, do you like, um, get like a whole spreadsheet and see some things that pop or do you like to like go maybe guy by guy and then see what you can find? I usually just dig in guy by guy. Right. Yeah. I find it easier to do it that way too. Yeah. yeah. And then I do it. Oh, go yeah. ahead. No, go ahead. Good. And then I do a two start pitcher article there every week that comes out on Sundays. And Right. So. That's, the the Sunday is a that's a big day. The Sunday morning, turn on the HQ, get the CR, two star pitchers, Bloomfield um, hitter um, versus Parks of the upcoming week. It's it's definitely uh, yeah yeah it's it's something that I I wake up and I'm like All right, it's HQ first and then everything <laughs> and then everything else. Yeah, that's awesome. So, um, what is um, the, did you play baseball when you were little? I just played till I was like 14. Okay. Uh, so that's when I gave it up. I w- wasn't the, you know, I had fun, but I wasn't, yeah. I could see there's no future in it for me. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. Moved on to other things. It's a big slap in the face when you realize you're not going to, uh, yeah, I thought it was real. I was kind of good. And then I went to high school and, and public school in Brooklyn. And it was, uh, there was men on the field yeah. for freshman tryouts, like real men. <laughs> like, okay, <laughs> going home. <laughs> Maybe I'll go into band. <laughs> but um, that's awesome. So um, what are your favorite formats to play in fantasy? Do you have home leagues as well as NFPC? Uh, not anymore. It's just strictly, strictly NFPC, NFPC at this point. Okay. Yeah, so um, I just like the 15-team uh, mixed straight drafts usually. Right. Uh, so whether it be the main event or the super, just, you know, whether it's an overall contest or just one contest, I like those 15 team mixed leagues. That's what I like the best. Did you find that, did you have home league and you just feel, felt like you wanted to concentrate on the NFPC? Is that why you don't play in any anymore? Uh, they just, I had a couple and they just kind of fizzled out over time. Mm, so yeah. And don't really have too many guys around here that, that I know of that, to play it so right just right, stick yeah. to the nfbc stuff now cool awesome good stuff so speaking of the nfbc formats you know right now got some um you know some early season draft champions going on um i know you got involved or been involved with a couple and i wanted to ask you how many do you do at once if you do more than one at a time with a slow draft do you attempt doing more than one not really i just yeah. pretty much stick to one i had Couple weeks ago, I had a, had two overlap by like one day as I was one was getting ready to fill, and I was on like the last five rounds of another one, so I went ahead and jumped in. But uh, that was enough, right? <laughs> yeah, I know. I see some people doing four or five at a time, and I don't think I could handle that. So no, I know. Was, I think we we were discussing leading up to the uh, pod like about how um, how your days can you get lost even in the slow draft, you know, which is why I can't, <laughs> right. I can't wait for the, uh, the quick drafts to become more available because it's just, even though it's long in one shot, I do 50 rounds. It's sometimes just like, man, where did my week go? You know? And like, <laughs> there's, there's some things that, you know, I usually like to do. I, I usually read the forecaster like at least once or twice, you know, and it's just a bunch of highlighting and circling back and, um, 
it's just I I did a good job of getting ahead of it before it came out and I had it on the PDF, but it's still like it still looks a little too crisp to me, the pages. So I'm, you know, yeah. it's hard to pull away when you're drafting, you know, and just um, so yeah, I, I'm in one the, the the battle of the podcast right now. We're almost done. We're like in the 43rd round, and then I'm in another one that's in the 14th round. And yeah, I'm I don't know if I'm gonna do this again. This is it's yeah. a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> and and then to do life on top of that. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, because yeah. like even though I have two hours or four hours to pick, like I feel like I want to pick immediately. You know, I don't know if you feel the same way. Like when it's yeah. my turn, I'm like, I gotta go to my computer. Like it's nothing like, oh well, you know, I got I got a couple of minutes, you know, I go or two hours. I can take my time. I just really rush to the computer and just do it, you know. Yeah, I don't want to be the guy taking the full two hours or anything and the last couple i've been and we've been making you know six or seven picks a day they've been rolling pretty good so oh that's solid i don't yeah. need uh don't need like three of those going out of time i'd be yeah a mess. crazy and it becomes like one big draft for me almost like it's not 250 round draft it's almost like it becomes 100 round draft and you know you really gotta like circle back to see who you picked and obviously you know if you're kind of the person who wants to spread um, the risk around a little bit with different portfolio of players, you know, you, you can get lost in that. And so, yeah, I'm totally going to do one at a time from here on in because it's too much for me. Yeah. <laughs> so talking about draft champions, um, tell me about your, your uh, batter pitcher splits that you prefer. Um, usually, well, last year I did three of these and I ended up at 28, hitters and 22 pitchers on two of them and okay. then on the on my first two and then the third one i did 30 20 end up just going 20 pitchers wow the 30 20 nice now this year i've gone 29 21 on all three of them so far but this one the one i'm currently in i started out with like nine hitters in the first 11 rounds so i think you know, based on how you start the draft, that's how I kind of figure out how much depth I need one way or the other. So I'll probably end up with 23 or 24 pitchers on this team, build a oh. little more pitching depth after kind of ignoring it early on in the draft. So, Right. I think but, that makes total sense, right? You, you, seeing how you start off and what you need to um, maybe, like you said, maybe you built enough um, innings pitch so you feel confident where you can go with 21, 22, um, and then – Obviously, if you don't start off as fast, then, yeah, you need to pile it on later in the draft. I've never been so excited to, like, draft guys like Logan Webb and, <laughs> and stuff like that. It's like it's like a win when you land, like, someone who just might give you one or two weeks of possible innings. But um, it makes a difference in these type of leagues, you know. I think the short season, you know, that, that, that was my first experience within the short season. So, obviously, I know in the long season, it, it's definitely going to be something that you're going to need. Yeah. Yeah. I had him in all three last year and then I got him uh, first one this year and I'm like, okay, I think that might be enough Logan Webb. For now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Once you get into like too much of like Logan Webb and Alex Cobb world, it's uh, yeah. but it's, it's all fun. It's fun to speculate on those guys because, you know, if they just give you two weeks of, of what you need, you know, it all, it all chips into the, you know, the, the big piece of the pie. What about Pip? Um, positional minimums like catchers, outfielders. Do you like to target a certain amount of guys you feel comfortable with in drafting? Uh, yeah, almost always go with four catchers, and then uh, 
outfield, I mean, I like to have usually about four extra outfielders, so maybe nine at least. And then ideally I would like to have four at every position, but I know occasionally I'll just end up with like three at a position. But if it's like third base, I know one DC I did already, I'd end up with just three third basemen, but I end up with several first basemen because they're, you know, first basemen were a lot more attractive at the end when I was looking to, uh, you know, fill out the roster. So as long as one of those third basemen stays healthy and playing regularly, I should be all right with yeah, I I, I agree with that. Like right now with the first base, you know, I see some sneaky Vado and Miggy at the end. Um, you know, I'm still still locked into those guys that like, you know, once you really need to start adding some corner and first base and um they still I think they're still gonna produce, you know, just yeah. enough, right? I mean, yeah, I it's an interesting pocket because I don't like first base really. I mean it, Freeman, I love. He obviously a stud. He helped me a lot last year. Um, but if I'm, you know, I'm going pitching early, and um, the first base are kind of like looking at Rizzo, Goldie in that 100 area, and then I'm trying to get one of them, or I just got my first um, share of Hosmer, and then just like waiting for the Guriels and the Santanas and the Miggies. I feel like they're just gonna get a ton of plate appearances and be good, good, good production at the end of the draft. Well, not the end of the draft, but later on in the draft. Yeah, yeah, I like that area with you know, Santana, Belt, Vado, a lot of, right. a lot of first basemen that are pretty attractive if you wait and you know a few rounds earlier, Rowdy, right, in, right, got him in like the sixteenth couple times. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, what about starting pitches to relief pitches? Do you have any preference there? Are you aiming for a specific amount of starters? Uh, not really. I don't really have a set number in mind, but most most of my depth will be starting starting pitching. Right. But yeah, I'll throw in. It kind of depends on how many so-called reliable closers I have up front, but you know, yeah. how many relievers I end up adding <laughs> at the end. But The old air quotes, the old so-called reliable, right? There's so much yeah. turnover with them. It's yeah, unbelievable. So kind of been paying up for closers a little more in these DCs than I have in the past. So, Right. Uh, okay, so you've gone that route. Yeah. Except for, you know, this latest, these latest one I'm, I'm in right now, I uh, kind of waited around, but the first three I – you know, yeah, I paid up I, a little bit just since there's, you know, it gets pretty messy after. Yeah, <laughs> after no, you're right. I think, I think there's, I think that's the way you have to do it. It's either early or like wait and just go with volume because um, I don't, you know, I'll go for the Hendricks or Chapman um, hater, but if I miss that, uh, I'm not, you know, I don't want Rich Rodriguez as my one. That's just how I feel. I would just rather wait and just, load up on the Pagans and the next, you know, possible next guy up, um, especially now because it's just so, so messy. Maybe as it gets closer and there's a little more firm understanding of the roles, you know, won't be as hesitant to like go in for a closer around 12 or 13, but right now it's either early or, you know, late for me. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, there's going to end up being some good values that work out for the people who have been waiting. They're going to find some right. about 25 full-time closers, but it's hard to peg who that's going to be. And right. 
And it's always peg how, you know, it's always going to change in the middle of the season. Right. So much turnover. Um, how about multi-eligibility guys? Do you put a premium on them or it just, just happens to be, you know, are you targeting them or it just happens to be, you know, a guy with multi-eligibility or a guy with none that's kind of like a tiebreaker for you? Um, yeah, I think that's kind of a mistake I made at first when I started doing these, not prioritizing those quite enough. And now I'm, you know, pushing those guys up a little bit, a little more than a tiebreaker. You know, I'm not going to, uh, you know, reach on somebody too much because of that. But I think it is important to, you know, right. 50 rounds sounds like a lot to build up depth everywhere, but, it, you know, you never know where injuries are going to strike the hardest. And it's great to have that flexibility with a few guys. Right. Absolutely. I, t- I totally agree that I, I had, um, Last year, Jubal Cabrera and Chris Taylor, um, and I think rounds 31 and 33, and they That's were just huge, huge for me. Mm-hmm. You know, they were, and not not only that they that they played everywhere with, but they were exceptionally well <laughs> every right. week just playing. So, um, it's it's definitely something. You know, when you can't fab and you have to move guys around and not take zeros, it's it's definitely crucial to have. Absolutely, yeah, I agree. Are you the type of drafter who sets like statistical targets and try to meet them? Or are you just drafting the best players that you feel that are are available and it'll all fall into place? Yeah, I try to set some targets, you know, just like a rough estimate of like 90, uh, went through last year's numbers and just basically multiplied by 2.7 and figured out the 90th percentile and 80th percentile. And I, shoot for the 90th, but, you know, end up falling, falling a little short in, you know, in some areas, but it just gives me a general idea of what, you know, where I'm falling behind as I go along. Right. I, I, yeah, that's, that's a good way to put it. Just have, just, just to have it to know, you know, because it'll give you a quick little reminder if maybe, you know, it's not like you're trying to use it to win the, like the, the draft, but you just, like you said, you just want to know, like, Hey, you know what, maybe I don't have enough plate appearances for my outfield, or maybe, you know, I'm falling short on speed and think it's pretty, it's pretty, you know, good to just look at and just keep you in line with, you know, cause you can't, you can't just be so like, oh, I got this and, and just go into it and, you know, right. a little blind. Yeah, I like yeah, that. Helps figure out if you want to take a shot at the, you know, 30 homer upside or 30 steel upside and, you know, right. the middle rounds and where Absolutely. you need to, where you need Absolutely. to go. Absolutely. Good point. Um, so what, do you, what is your most important piece of advice you would give to anyone maybe doing like their first draft champions this year? Uh, probably don't get in a draft with a pull hitter. Would be, <laughs> be number one. Come um, on, you gotta have something better than that. I could just be a short season wonder, right? <laughs> I, I think I had it. Um, we had a bottle of the battle of the podcast uh, live, live event, and um, I just came out and said like I'm like the Randy of Rosarena. You know, I came out. With, <laughs> Or a bang, but I still got a lot to prove, you know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I'd say that positional, the multi-position guys, just to, uh, you know, make sure to grab a couple of them would be one thing that comes to mind. Yeah. Uh, got to know about player you? pool, right? Yeah, I think it's player pool. Like, really, 
understanding what can be had at like pick 400, 500, just so, you know, like you mentioned, like what corner, right? You know, you pile it on maybe too early and then, you know, you see guys like Maggie in the 400 sitting there and you're like, hmm. And then at this time, he'd be your fifth first baseman. And it's like, ah, shit, I should have done that differently. So I think that's pretty, you know, like something, you know, and just get into the player pool, you know, just dig into rosters and and look at depth, look at who might slide into, um, you know, possible at-bats. I think one thing that I've really um, focused on this year was the position, um, the the OPS splits for lefties and righties, first lefty and righties uh, are batters. So I'm just trying to get it. I don't want to fall into like the outfield problem where I just have guys who might play two or three games a week. So, right. right. So yeah. So I think that's like the biggest, one of the biggest things I've been keying in on right now is when I'm trying to get that depth. I just don't want guys who might be sitting more or just falling or maybe going from a spot where they projected for a lot of at bats to maybe that pops out to you say, well, this guy might start losing at bats. So that's one thing yeah. I've been keeping an eye on. Yeah. And I'd say not to reach, uh, you know, go crazy on the prospects. Right. Right. I just, I usually don't end up with, with a whole lot of the, you know, big name prospects, you know, for better or for worse, but a lot of times they just, they seem to be a little overpriced in these. So. Right. I'll, right. I'll go down with the, like you said, some of the boring guys later on can. Boring. Yeah. Boring is beautiful. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> boring is beautiful. I, um, and yeah, just, you can't fall in love with them because you're going to have a guy like, you know, like a Tatis that'll come in and just be that good. But the probability, the smart play is, you know, like Jared, Jared Hellenic. I love the, I, I love his skill set, but I'm not taking him at pick 200. You know, yeah. when you can get a guy like, you know, Max Kepler who plays every day and leads off, like it's not a, a stud, but he's, he's playing and he has a job for sure, you know, right. guaranteed. And when you can't make a pickup, yeah, the prospect thing is is really really huge. I'm glad you brought that up because I I think I've I have two prospects that I've gotten. Um, I think I took Josh Jung with my last pick in like a draft in November, and in this recent battle of the pods, I I went up a little maybe I think the 470 ish 450 to get you to downs, um, mm-hmm. just because I think he's gonna play. Um, I'm hoping so, but I think, and I just like his skill set, the way it translates into the major league. But yeah, the prospect thing is huge. You, you know, it's just going back to that old, you know, the, the HQ, the, the risk, you know, the health experience and the consistency, right. And the experience, if you, if you, if you look at that and you have a bunch of guys who have totaled 500 at bats in the majors or less, you know, it's proven that you can't a volatility in, in their skill set. It, it, it's still, it's still there. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. So in your recent DCs, um, when's the first one that you did, Would you, did you get involved with one early in November? Like as soon as they started up? Yeah, I did one of the very first ones just to, you know, I was getting the itch and yeah. couldn't resist. So I usually wait a little longer, but. So I did one and then I, you know, waited a few weeks and, you know, got a little research done and did some reading and digging in on some players before I joined another one. Then this is my fourth one now. And I don't know if I'll do another one or not, but it's fun. Fun to always have one going. So, yeah, 
it, yeah, like you said, it does take away from time to, you know, read up on the players and when you're just focused on the draft all the time. So I'm going to take a little break and yeah. I feel like I'm going to do the same thing once this one is done, just to take a little pause and hit the reset button. Um, have you noticed any, like, had anything popped out at you, like, trend-wise from November till now? Or is it pretty much, like, what you see, like, a similar landscape? Yeah, nothing too much that I've noticed. I mean, in this draft I'm in now, the starting pitching got pushed up a lot. But, you know, looking at the ADP list, it doesn't – I think it's just this draft that doesn't seem too – drastic overall from what I see at least. I mean, there's some guys like Woodruff that have moved up 10 or 12 right. spots in the early round since, since November, but on the whole, I don't think the landscape has changed too much. Gotcha. Um, yeah. Awesome. So um, let's talk about main event now, switch over to another NFBC format, the main event. I got into my first one this year. Um, it was definitely a rude awakening for me no but it was great i i i I was in a room with several amazing players every main event room has pretty not the room the actual draft room this year it was but uh um so i just wanted to know like how you you know prepare differently if you do from a format like draft champions um to the main event and if there's if there's any like specific types of players maybe that might change value from that format into the main event uh for me there's uh i mean not any huge difference that stands out you know my strategy for you know rounds like 25 to 30 i may be looking pretty short term in the main event looking at schedules or going for some, you know, guys with a short-term path to playing time or something, whereas in the DCs in that range, I'm just trying to build volume. Like I know when Steve Weimer was on uh, your pod a couple weeks ago, he was just talking about how important plate appearances are. And that's in that area of the DCs, just try to compile as much playing time as you can. Whereas, you know, last few rounds of the main, I'm just looking for, somebody that can help me right now. That's a great point. I probably like almost, if not the answer to the question, I was going to ask you like, what's a great piece of advice you could give to someone in their main event? Because I think that's something I, I totally didn't put enough um, thought into. You know, I put a little bit, but not enough to just look at the schedule and say, all right, I can use this guy for his first week or first two weeks. And then it's just part of the turn and burn, right? You, you just having that idea in your head to not get too locked into I want this, you know, guy in the 27th round to give me that full season value. You know, it's more of that mindset, like you said, to understand that he's just going to pack a couple up at you in the first couple of weeks and then you just move on. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. That's great. Um, how is your fab? Um, how do you like to fab? Are you like ultra aggressive with fab? Or do, and is there a mount that you, that you would say that you like to hold on to for like the last two or three weeks or you, just going straight through with it. I usually try to spread it out pretty evenly. I like to, I don't like to spend, you know, too high on anybody. I usually don't get on the, get in on the closer bidding too much. So I try to land a couple I can count on in the draft just so I can avoid the $400 Hunter Strickland bidding that goes on yeah. and things like that. But right. I did have a pretty aggressive bid on, uh, Christian Javier last week, just last year, just is a short season. I was like, this could be the guy to make a difference. And 
uh, went a little heavier on him than what I usually do and didn't really pay off as I hoped, but, uh, usually I'd like to spread it out and then save, you know, hundred bucks for the last five or six weeks. Okay. Yeah. That's a good, yeah. That's a good number that was trying to get in my head. I know obviously everything's going to be different depending on your team and, and the league too, the league spending, but yeah, just, I, I was wondering like, what's a good number you thought would be like safe or at least, you know, enough to, cause I know from listening to other pods, you know, um, guys have mentioned how like later on in the season, as guys fall out, like there's some categories you may be able to get a little cheaper than like, like saves, you know, maybe, maybe um, you're not competing versus that many other people for it. So it might come a little cheaper at the end for you rather than, like you said, the $400 Hunter Strickland's. Those are just, <laughs> those are great. That's a great example. Right yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, so when you, I guess this goes for, the main event and the draft champions, are you trying to win your league or do you have a little bit of the mindset to, you know, shoot for like an overall, you're just trying to win your league and then let like everything fall into place. Yeah. I mean, the overall is always in the back of your mind as you go along, but uh, first things first, I'd say. So just try to win the league. And, you know, if you're just trying to shoot for upside, every pick you're, you know, good chance you're going to finish at the bottom of your league standings. So, uh, you know, I just try to go for the league. And if you're halfway through the season and doing well in the league and moving up in the overall standings, then you can kind of shift the focus, but right. league first and then go from there. Absolutely. I think that's definitely uh, more com- like the comfort zone I'm finding, you know, or even last year I, I played to win the league and that's, you know, I was like, I honestly wasn't even thinking about the overall. Then with my first uh, experience in the NFBC, and I was just like, okay, just like I want to win one league and have a little, a little bit of bankroll to you know to try to play more leagues in the in the future. And um, so yeah, I think that's important to not get too caught up in because, like you said, once you start drafting all that risk, you know, once you find your team full of Gallo and Mondesi, it's uh, it could go sour really quick for you. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a misconception that you just have to, in an overall contest, you have to find upside because, you know, just there's, there's upside in the boring guys too. Like, right. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Holy. Um, so I know you play in some online championship as well, right? Uh, yes, I didn't do any of those last year, but yeah, I have, have done several in the past. What is the difference, the biggest difference from um, moving from a 15-team league to a 12-team league? I'm, most of my home leagues are 12 teams. So in the NFBC, I've just been focusing on 15-team leagues. But I just wanted to know, I might, I might try to do an OC this year. So I was wondering, what, you know, what's the biggest difference in, in going from that size um, draft? Um, you just have to – I mean, there's always plenty of uh, – viable options on the waiver wire and you just have to be ready to churn and burn the back end of the roster. Cause there's, you know, you can always, there's always good players out there. And do you uh, feel like it's easier doing a 12 team fab or harder when there's more options out there? Cause I find that like in my home leagues, when I look at, when I go from NFBC to my home leagues, I'm like, why is this guy available? Why is this guy available? Why, you know, like right. <laughs> there's so it's many tough. good guys in the wire. <laughs> yeah, it's tough to shift 
you know, looking at if you're doing a 15 and 12 to go back and forth between it. Yeah. It's pretty, uh, <laughs> yeah, pretty tough. I, th- I I don't know. I have a little easier time with the 15, I think. Me too. Right. Yeah. It's real hard to know uh, how much to bid in the 12. That's pretty tough. Yeah. You, yeah. It's a, it's um because I guess uh, you maybe have more, is there more of an ability to get a guy for rest of season, right? Too. So you maybe you're trying to forecast like, um, is this guy going to be maybe a rest of season guy or is he going to be a short fixed guy? And that can definitely impact the amount of money you want to bid on that guy. Right. Right. Yep. Yeah. It's pretty unpredictable how much guys go for it seems in the 12 teamers, at least to me, but. Right. What, um, is there anything that pops out to you when you like, ha- does anyone that come up and say, this is the rest of the season guy and, and, and not, is there like a differentiating factor for that? Is it like skills based when you see someone who pops up and say, this guy may be worth a rest of season. Are you, is there like a rest of season projection model, you know, that you're kind of looking at or you're just saying this guy is showing the skills. I think he's going to stay in the lineup. Uh, yeah. Just a little combination of both. Just right. what they've, been showing but i do you know uh check out the projections but you know if i find find somebody that has a good chance to be a short-term help and long-term then it's definitely worth up in the bid for and in those 12 teamers i do think it's uh good to embrace the risk a little more too you know Mm. if guys the injury prone guys you know if they go down there's going to be somebody you know replacement level is lower on these so there's right. higher i mean higher yeah yeah so, yeah so <laughs> you can find somebody to replace them pretty easy yep, absolutely very good point all right we're gonna do a little draft and hold segment right now for uh draft champions um i got a couple of adp positional um would you rathers and um, doesn't have to be a, a, a huge breakdown of the players. Just kind of pick your mind a little bit about some, some decision points um, on players. Um, and then I have a couple questions for you um, for basically like maybe biggest movers and ADP from this year to next year. So the first section of guys that we have is the catcher position. Um, Carson Kelly, Alejandro Kirk, and Yadier Molina, uh, respectively going 286, 293, 297 who's your guy out of out of this group this is a good one um it's not kirk that's somebody i haven't been targeting you know it's pretty crowded catchy catcher situation it's been pretty clear that they're they're wanting to add you know some help elsewhere so you know he may have the most upside of the group but the path to playing time is pretty pretty murky so he's not somebody i've been interested in the other two are very close. I think once Yadi signs, I would have him slightly ahead. But if I if I was drafting right this second, I mean I think there's a non-zero chance that Yadi just is done. You know, because yeah. he's asking for two years, and I don't see why the Cardinals should give him two years personally. So if I had a draft right now, I would take Kelly slightly above. I mean, I have these two are real close. I think it's a close. I, I know. If I had I to think... take, if I had to take one today, I'd take Kelly. But if Yachty signs, it would probably shift it the other way. So yeah, I, I think that's a slightly. perfect breakdown right there because uh, I kind of like you know um, 
Yachty's like, a, you know, the comfort level with him is just there because of the history and just, just, just knowing that he's, he's not going to come into a season on like not ready. And um, I do think if he is ready to play, he's going to find a job somewhere. Someone's going to bring him on. And I just feel a little more comfortable with his skill set for sure than Kelly. But yeah, but right now, um, I think I would feel a little bit more comfortable. I've just been, I've been drafting too many free agents, Brian. <laughs> like, um, you know, not so much like scared of, you know, the Bowers of the world, but, you know, uh, the Cesar Hernandez and the Wongs, you know, because I feel like they're falling to spots where like, this guy's going to sign, right? I'm saying in my brain, he's, yeah. he's, he's going to sign and start, right? <laughs> so I think those are the, that would be another piece of advice I should have mentioned earlier. I think those guys are usually like the best values. Once these guys sign, like Justin Turner, once right. he signed, he's he's moving up 50 points in ADP. He's going to sign somewhere. Right. And Mitch Moreland, I mean, you, I don't know what situation he'll be in. Maybe he'll – I've got him in like three out of four now. I just got him in the 37th round today. And, you know, maybe he's just a part-time player. But I think more than likely he's going to be the strong half of a platoon somewhere and you're getting him like I think so pick too. 500. Right. Especially, especially if they announced the DH is more, way more opportunities for him. And his mm-hmm. bat, his bat definitely um, plays up when you're picking him at 37 for sure. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. It's, it's, the free agent thing is tough, man. It's, it's, I've been, I've been, it's like almost, uh, you know, I have, I have my, my Babs and my Mayberry up and, and I have that injury ledger and, and now, like, I'm like, I need another column for free agents, you know, because <laughs> in one league I did it. And I think like, someone pointed out, like, man, you you really don't care about the free agents. And I was like, looked at it, I was like, oh, shit. Yeah, that's a lot. <laughs> yeah, there <laughs> but, is some risk there, but. Yeah, there is. It, it's, just, it's tough because I'm, I'm, I'm trying to, um, like, see what, what guys are signing for now. And I'm trying to match up, like, their war to, like, what they're getting contract wise. And then just looking at a guy like Cesar Hernandez saying, this guy's going to start, like he's starter material based on that. So I'm just like trying to make myself a little more comfortable, I guess, in my brain of just like looking at it at the overall picture like that. But um, yeah, it's yeah. definitely um, y- Yadi and Carson is definitely, it comes to that point in the draft where if I'm going for my second guy at that point, it's that's that. And that's why I brought that one up because uh it's definitely something that's that 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 that's lingering in my brain with um those two guys. So, yeah. all right. So next next bunch um is uh, two sets of closers. One that are going one ninety four and one ninety six, and it's Richard Rodriguez and Matt Barnes. Who do you like here? Um, I like Rodriguez. I like how he ended the season like 11 straight scoreless appearances and struck out 38% of the batters in those games. And doesn't seem to be a whole lot of competition in that pin. So he's been a target of mine. I've got him a couple times already. And, you know, there's some red flags at Barnes. I do, you know, I do like that he converted like nine out of their last 10 save chances. So the job seems to be his. The one he didn't convert was second game of a doubleheader where he'd already pitched that day. But, uh, you know, that curve didn't get nearly as many whiffs last year, and he always walks so many batters. So there's right. enough. Good point. You know, enough he, there to make me 
definitely want Rodriguez over him. But. Right, right. Good point. Yeah, I feel the same way. Um, and that I didn't even realize that um, 11 straight scoreless appearances. Wow. That's, yeah, uh, the end of the season, pretty strong. So. Okay. Make that little note and bump it up. <laughs> <laughs> and I also think Barnes, too, like maybe he has that same kind of situation as Workman last year where they just build up his value and they're a rebuilding yeah. team and he goes to a team where he's not the closer um, anymore. So I guess that's also an interesting spot to maybe speculate on who the backup, you know, Boston guy might be in a deep league, like a draft and hold. Um, yeah. So the next same, yeah, same thing with Rodriguez though, but you know, he could just be fight you know, three point. or four months out of him because they're trying to sell off whatever they can, but that's also a very good point, mate. Good. Good way to bring that up, Brian. Um, all right, so another pair of closers at 246 and 249. This is Jordan Hicks and Greg Holland. Yeah, I would l- definitely lean Hicks on this one. I mean, seems to be getting good reports now, and I would think he would be the favorite for the majority of saves if he does prove to be fully healthy. I mean, they have some other options there. Uh, but I'm just not buying into – Greg Holland's Holland rebound, so yeah, it's probably more anti-Holland than pro-Hicks because I, I don't really point. know what to expect from Hicks, but I think the upside's pretty pretty massive, and I don't want Holland, so I'll go yeah. with Hicks. Great point. Great point. I like that. I, I like that the way you've viewed the two guys, you know, being more anti-approach than pro the other guy. It, it, it definitely weighs. Good point. Um, okay, this one is not ADP, but who closes for the Reds? Uh, yeah, that's a tough one. Also, I mean, I would have to give Price Sims the leg up now. I think, but I think it'll be, you know, I think they'll play some matchups. I would, would be my guess. because uh, Garrett is so dominant against lefties. So maybe if it's a righty heavy lineup in the eighth coming up, they'll go with either Antone or Sims and then, uh, and then. If if it's lefty heavy in the ninth, then Garrett could be getting the Garrett. Yeah, chance. It's, but it seems like a mess right now to speculate on that. Yeah, I haven't touched that situation so far in my drafts, but I do. <laughs> you know, I think Anton could be a sneaky, sneaky guy a little later. Although he's Absolutely. not even going all that late, but yeah, he's not. He's he's he's. He's up there, you know, yeah. and I guess it's also that, you know, is is he going to be a swing guy? Is he going to maybe even start? There's so many. Uh, yeah. so many decisions, but I guess when there's so much uh, um, roadblock at hand, just uh, stay clear of it, right? Just right. don't even yeah, go that I guess, route. I guess I give Sims the edge, but it's not anything I'd be real confident investing in right now. Right. Agree. Um, one more closer question. Two free agents, Mark Melanson, Brandon Kinsler. Um, do you think that these guys, A, land closing gigs and – um, let's just say they both do. They both land into – maybe they both even go to their team that they were on last year. Um, who who do you like better? Uh, Melanson, for sure. I just don't think – I think Kinsler is just – it's not going to work again, I don't think. Just so few strikeouts. And I got real lucky last year in the draft champions when the news broke as we were in like the 49th round. I needed two more hitters, but – then he got signed. I'm like, ah, it's, screw it. I'll just take him and go one less hitter than I had planned. And, you know, it worked out as a 
late pick, but I don't, I think it was smoke and mirrors and I don't think he can do it again. So right. I think if, you know, Melanson has a decent chance of uh, somebody giving him ninth inning chances. Right. I totally agree. I totally agree with that. I, I, I think Melanson is definitely going to fall back into um, a, a solid closer role. And that's so funny what you just said about, you know, news, you know, when, when the news drops, when you're in a slow draft and <laughs> it's crazy, you know, like we just um in, in the battle of the podcast league, you know, someone just, uh, we have a little DM on Twitter, like a little group chat and someone popped in there, the news that the Braves um, are digging into JTR, you know, and like the next pick was Andrew Knapp, <laughs> you know, <Yeah>. it's like, <laughs> so, I mean, it was at a spot where you probably could start to consider him, but still it's funny how, it could really impact your pick, you know, just some quick little tidbit news like that is. Yes. And I had just made my like 38th round pick before I saw that news. And then I saw he was on the board. I'm like, Oh man, I need it. So he's like top of my queue now coming in around 39. Uh, The old mind in the news affecting your old drafting hole, slow draft drafting hole. All right. So the next, Next group of guys, four starting pitchers. They're all ranging between 339 and pick 345. And they're Matthew Boyd, Josh Lindblom, Robbie Ray, and Spencer Turnbull. You have a guy you like out of this bunch? Um, I, th- I kind of like three of the four. I don't – I need to see Boyd actually have – actually have some success before I uh, – get back in on him. But uh, I like, I think the price has dropped maybe a little too far on Robbie Ray, but Lynn Blum would be the guy that I would go with here. I mean, I like, he has like six pitches. He throws at least 9% of the time. Five of them have double digit swing strike rates. And, you know, all those fly balls in that park is a little scary, but he was pretty unlucky last year and nobody in that division seems to be doing anything to get better. So right. I think he's a uh, pretty solid value there. I like yeah. Turnbull too, but uh, the fact that they seem to be going with the six man rotation cuts right. into his value a little bit. So very good point. Right. Absolutely. I agree with you with, I think, I think Ray as bad as he was, I do think that um, especially for a, a draft and hold, um, I just think he's, he's, He's falling to the spots where I'm eyeing him, where he is, you know. Um, mm-hmm. When when him and Lindblom have both been available, I've been leaning Lindblom, but um, I haven't been afraid to pivot to Ray at all. Um, especially I did a couple of best ball leagues, and I actually bumped him up a lot in those leagues because I'll take his great starts, you know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you, you don't need to use his, um, yeah, you know. Definitely. Have you um, – have you – played any best ball leagues fine i have not no, no. i uh I've, I've thought about getting in one should it would be fun and pretty you know no managing during the season would be nice yeah that's what but, a, uh that's what drew me you know i'm like oh i can do i can do leagues and not have to do fab or anything like that it's it's yeah. interesting so um, i might have to jump in one here pretty soon but i haven't done that yet but yeah, yeah jump ray, in. ray is like the ideal candidate for those type of <laughs> yeah absolutely you could take you take the good and don't worry about the bad uh absolutely um all right your last last group of players um third base 
um, from pick 217 to 234, a little bit wider of a spread. But Justin Turner, Brian Anderson, J.D. Davis, and Jaime Candelario, the last two obviously have a couple multi-eligibilities in there. Um, so that might be an influence. But who do you like out of this bunch? Um, I, I like J.D. Davis, but I would definitely take Justin Turner at the top of this list. So right. I think he's, uh, like I was saying before, I think his value is going to jump uh, once he signs. And, you know, he's been a pretty big target of mine in these DCs so far. So I think right. he's, I think he's excellent value there. I love, Brian Anderson. Oh, go ahead. No, okay. Yeah. Uh, well, turn, I was just say, I just love the way he did. He just stings the ball. He's a professional hitter. And even, even when I mess with, you know, I was like some aggregates of projections. And even when I mess with the, the at-bats for him, it, it, it still, it still, catches my eye you know it's still it's still very valuable to play right yeah he'll miss some time but he's gonna be yeah very good when he's out there so and i don't understand brian anderson and candelario going right there i mean i wouldn't i just soon have longoria going 130 picks later right great point great point yeah you know, what, what, and, what, what don't you, I mean, cause Anderson confused the hell out of me too. Like he, I don't, I can't really get a gauge on his profile. It's like went from like contact driven to maybe going for more of a power profile. Is he going to be able to merge the two? I don't know. I think, and plus that he lost that third base outfield, which I really liked. <laughs> yeah. That 27% home run per fly ball rate was way out of character for him. And right. I don't think that can happen again. That was just small sample deal. And then Candelario had like a 37% hit rate. So I think the fluky flukiness of 2020 is kind of pushing up their price a little bit. I don't want any part of them at that price. So Gotcha. Gotcha. Make total sense. What do you, what do you feel about um, JD Davis? Any thoughts Um, on him? Yeah, I like him. I haven't got him yet. I've been a little worried you know, the Mets are one of the few teams trying and, uh, you know, they've been rumored for a lot of people. And I've just been a little worried that it's going to get, I got my maybe a little too crowded. I like it. It's yeah. Nice. Mr. Smiles. I should have worn my Nemo Jersey. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nemo. <laughs> nice. Yeah. It's, I'm excited, you know, cause it's, they are trying like, Hey, the Padre, the blue Jays. It's cool. It's oh, you got your first pitch shirt on. Nice. Oh yeah. Yep. Wait. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's it's cool to see, you know, teams being ultra aggressive, especially with the fact that, you know, like we said, the, the DH isn't concrete yet. Um, I don't know. What are they waiting for? That's crazy. Yeah. What are they waiting for? Like, teams have to go about their business unless they had a memo, you know, like that we don't know about. But still, like, I don't understand how it's not settled yet. Yeah, that's mind boggling. No idea. I mean, if you're if you're a, if you're a team owner, you got to be like, come on, like, what's the story? Like, what are we doing? <laughs> All right, so we got some listener questions here for you, Brian. Um, one, one is not so much a question as a statement from Mr. Steve Weimer. Um, he wants to know, well, he said, I see Brian has posted the first few rounds of his DC teams, but it looks like he forgot to post the rest of his picks. So he wants to know if he can please provide a complete list of players he's targeting in later rounds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Steve's, I don't think Steve needs any advice on how to, Run a DC team, but you think one? Yeah, winning nine in one year is uh is, is I think he's doing well enough. <laughs> yeah, we need advice from him, or you don't, but I do. Uh, 
but I don't know some of the I like Avisel Garcia a lot going you know around round 20 I think he's excellent value there and then some guys I've gotten in like at least three of my four to date are Luke Weaver Mitch Moreland Cole Hamels and then I know I talked about not investing too highly in the prospects earlier but uh, I've gotten Vidal, Bruhan, and Brett Honeywell in like three of these so far. So, uh, you know, in the mid 30s, mid to late 30s, uh, you know, willing to take a couple gambles on some guys who I think have some upside. Bruhan, you know, he's still like 103 bases and less than a thousand plate appearances between 2018 and 19. So I saw him. Saw him play quite a bit down here in, uh, like in Charlotte with the Rays and uh, mm-hmm. exciting player with a great hit tool. And he could, you know, maybe he doesn't get up this year, but if he does, I think he can make a significant impact. I like the Luke Weaver. Walk me through that. Uh, I just think, you know, nothing exciting, but, uh, and, you know, he's not somebody who'll start every week. I don't right. want to use him against the Dodgers or Padres or anything, but, uh, you know, I think he's, I think his price has fallen a little too far after last year. I think right. I he's agree. still uh, n- I not a ton of upside, but uh, you know, he's going, you know, around 28, 29, something like that. And I've where it's worth a stab value you know? there. Yeah, right. absolutely. Absolutely. So from, um, uh, BK at BK, one ng818 okay um they're trying to play higher buy-ins with less people competing for overall less very interested in solo shot same format as main event except 36 rounds and fab once a month how does the strategy change for that and how do you use those extra roster spots have you played a solo shot i mean actually it's the first year it's happening right yes it was supposed to happen last year but are you gonna play I don't know yet. Mm, yeah, no, so, I'm, I've been I've been looking at that myself. Yeah, I was signed up for one last year, and then it didn't happen, and I haven't decided yet for this year. So, yeah, I guess I guess you would have to be like a little more. Um, it might seem in your head like, oh, I don't have to do fab every week, but I think if you wait until like one day to do all of it, you're probably gonna, you know, yeah. go crazy. So maybe just like attack it attack the fab like a little bit week by week. So, you know, when that point comes, you can have a clear understanding of. Um, right. Yeah. Not- I mean, you, I think, you, you know, the people who uh, dig into, you know, schedules over the next month and things like that, the most will benefit. And I think I'd right. be uh, pretty aggressive early on the fab in those. I don't know. I haven't totally uh, dissected, what I would right. do different in that, but I know. Uh, well, once I sit down to determine if I'm going to play it, then or I think I'm just going to determine how I would approach it first, and then see if I would want to invest in in trying that format. But it's definitely intriguing. I, Steve Weimer brought it up to me. I didn't even know it really existed, and he brought it up on the show, and I was like, "Oh, interesting." And I I took a look at it, and it's definitely definitely some. Um, it's definitely tempting. Yeah, so 36 roster spots, huh? Yeah, I need to look into it a little more before I could give a... Yeah, it's totally different. Cool. All right. All right, now we officially made it through. Um, 
<laughs> uh, again, Brian, thank you so much for coming out and talking to me. And um, we'll do this again sometime soon for sure. Sounds good. Thank you. Got it. That's awesome. All right, Brian, we just we just powered through that. That was great. This is going to be the quickest episode of the Pull Her Podcast. And that's that's great because I know I just keep – I usually talk too much or I usually um, just write up too many things. But we just hammered that away. That was great. I really – that was that was awesome. Yeah, well, I enjoyed it. Thanks for for having me on. It's been uh, fun listening to your podcast lately. A lot of good shows. And... Thanks, Brian. Appreciate that. Um, you want to tell everyone where they could find your work online? Um, writing at Baseball HQ. I'm also doing some work at Roto Baller and uh, some sports betting stuff at sportsbook wire as well so and then on twitter i'm at red hq so awesome hit me up anytime sweet man i really appreciate your time brian right in the middle of your uh, right right there in your lunch break sweet yeah well thank you for having me and hope hope not to see any draft rooms but <laughs> yeah i'm cool. uh, I, i'm very conscious of that i think we spoke about that prior to the draft, uh this podcast yeah absolutely yeah. Oh, I'll make money um, staying away from each other. <laughs> cool, man. All right. Enjoy your day, Brian. It's good talking to you. Yeah. Thank you very much. Okay. All right, folks. That will conclude this episode of the Pull Hitter Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Once again, if you haven't gotten a chance to subscribe and rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts or any other platform that allows you to leave a rating or review, that is much appreciated. If you do so, you can send a screenshot of your rating and review, DM me at Deadpool Hitter on Twitter or at Pull Hitter Pod, and we'll send you some Pull Hitter swag. Hope everyone gets involved in doing some drafting, whether it be NFBC or fan tracks, get involved with some best balls, um, a lot of good price points available for any different size league or money type league that you guys want to get involved with but time to really dive in and this is where you get your best practice so when everything gets a little closer season gets a little closer you just have an ability to break down players a little better you'll have some decision points indexed in your brain so everything comes a little faster and a little smoother for you as you just get involved and do a couple and yeah, so I think that's um, going to be it for the night. Thanks, folks. Have a good time, and don't be a bag of shit.